<laughs> You've risen too, though. I was arisen uh, You're- probably a good ten minutes before you. Oh, you see, you not only were you also risen, you done risen first. Let's see. Mm-hmm. Episode. I was nine. risen several times by a dog. Um, periodically, is a practice to actually getting up for real this morning. Mm. Is that normal? Does your dog? Um, is, I'm assuming it's exa- your dog and not just Adam. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Actually, it's a good point. No, this wasn't inside my house on purpose. Okay. Um. Yeah, I don't know. He got real whiny twice. Wanted to go out back. Came back in after a few minutes. I have no idea what he's doing out there. Mm. Normally, he just sacks out in the bed for the whole night. So, you think he needed? You um, think he had business to attend to? Like, uh, that's the only reason I got up was because I was worried. You know, like I don't know, he had an upset stomach or something. And, right? No, you don't. Yeah. yeah. Mm. We'll see how many nights this happens, and then I'm going to put the. Put the uh, law down here. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Uh, sure. I'm not getting out of bed. Re- reason with that dog. Let me know how that goes. Um, well, I meant like business. Like uh, maybe you had some sort of a transaction to to um, to handle. Oh, I thought you meant taking a dump or throwing up. Right. But, um, yeah. I mean, it's no, it's not possible. If he was a, if he was in some kind of crime, organized crime. He would just be that big, dumb lump okay. that people bring along to things. Right. Which I suppose is possible. Yeah. You know, maybe it's like, hey, show up, I need backup, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. He's more hired muscle than hired uh, 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 grease man. Or, oh, without question. Okay. All right. Well, I mean... Obviously, what you have to do is go trail your go tail your dog with uh, night vision goggles and uh, report back. Um, yeah, I think that's probably the, my first option. So I'll try that one first. That is an interesting. I mean, if, you know, the the dog the do- dog specifically usually, but like pets versus children, uh, back and forth that people have. You know, oh, I've I've met people who you know have buddies who. Uh, Say dogs are cleaner or easier to handle, and kids are unpredictable and chaotic, or vice versa, or whatever. We've talked about it on the show before. Um, but I'll tell you what I've never done is gotten woken up by a child who needed me to let them out into the backyard in the middle of the night for a few minutes. <laughs> I mean, it would be a disruptive situation to explain to them that they couldn't go out back, but yeah, it's never actually happened that way. Mm-mm. I mean, they, I mean, on some level, I guess it's that your dog is an adult. Um, and he can do what he wants. And also your dog is capable of, of destruction, uh, uh, vis-a-vis, you know, uh, biology in a way that a child isn't, that needs to straight up go outside with it. Although, I mean, is potty training dogs a thing? Probably not. Pot, you mean on like an actual toilet? Yeah. I'm sure somebody's done that. I mean, I... Not gonna happen for me. <laughs> yeah, your dog doesn't I seem bet. like a like an innovation. I mean, even if, no, no, my dog is like a fossil among dogs. I think. A fo- so is he old too? I don't actually no, know. He's just he's like cognitively right. 
unevolved. <laughs> okay. I'm going to get in trouble if Abigail listens to this. She's always upset that I'm downing on the dog, and I'm not. Like, I like that dog. It's just a fact that he is not cognitively advanced. He's lovable in a lot of other ways. Okay, he's just not really a sort of a, um, an opportunity when it comes to, you know, dog, if canine innovation. Uh, um, I'll say, I mean, he definitely would be the dog that, like, approached the fire to get more food. Okay. Um, but he wasn't, like, solving any problems or uh, doing work for you. All right, so he's somewhere in between... You know, he he is going to approach the fire to get more food, but he's not going to, like, stick his nose in the fire, get burned, and then do it again. Like, he's not, like... Oh, no, not at all. Not, like, he's alarmingly just, dumb. He's just sort of, like... <laughs> <laughs> he's just sort right. of a dog. It's like, all right, now that we're friends, let me teach you how to hunt deer. And he's like, mm, you could just give me some food again. <laughs> so he's, I mean, he's a 50th percentile dog. I'm a, yeah. That's that's probably very fair. Okay, okay, okay. Well, how are you? Other than if you're getting woken up by a dog. Well, I mean, I'm very, I'm quite awake because it's one of those things where I'll just feel terrible later because I got woken up enough mm. that you know I wasn't just uh, you know deep enough in sleep that my body couldn't get itself back up. So. Oh, okay. So I'll, I'll, I have you in good shape for the next hour or so, and then the rest of the day is what has to deal with. Uh, right. I mean, as good a shape as I can be, you know, like whatever my equivalent natural ability, like hopefully above the 50th percentile of human. But, <laughs> you know, I, I only got what I got. You know, I knew about percentiles early uh, in my life. Because of uh, my issues with uh, with growth hormone and whatnot, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, being very very small and uh, <laughs> going into the doctor, being looking at the percentile curve and and seeing it, <laughs> seeing the curve as this like big, you know, it's a curve. It goes up. It's it's a um, it's like a logarithmic. Curve, it's not right? well. It's like a, um, ex- yeah. I don't know my curves well enough. It it. The, Basically, it starts up faster and then sort of slowly levels off. It's, until it's, yeah, I, I know what a logarithmic curve is. I'm just. Well, I don't know. You just said you didn't know what curves are. I'm trying to. They, they're mm, bendy things. Uh, <laughs> oh man. Um. No. It's a. Uh. It, it's. It starts off kind of lo- slow, and then there's a quick up, uh, turn up, and then it kind of maintains like a 45 degree angle for a while. And then slows at the end. So it's like, you know, and this is a like full life sort of curve, you know. Um, but they don't chart you. You know, I wasn't being charted from the beginning. But uh, the middle does have, you know, it's a pretty steep curve uh, for for charting how a, you know, a 7 to 14 year old should grow. And my little X's as I went in kind of like never were better than like on the outs, outside of the it's a percentile curve. So it's like a, there's a line and then two like lines outside of that line and two lines outside of that line representing like, I don't know, 10th and 90th percentile or whatever by the time you get out there. And I was like barely hanging on to the 10th. And then as I went, the, the tail of the curve is that my 
um, my X's just sort of like started going horizontal. <laughs> <You know>? like, <laughs> the curve kept going and I, and I didn't. You know, I wondered how they make that decision. I mean, I know your dad's a doctor, but, you know, <clears throat> when that's apparent to a doctor, did, was there some kind of actual diagnosis or were they like, we got to get these curve numbers up? Yeah, it actually was. They, um, I was, uh, I was very small and like, I actually just yesterday, my mom sent me a picture of that. I had, didn't know it was in existence, uh, because it involved it, a, uh, it's a picture of like the kids that lived in the cul-de-sac when I was seven. Um, and one of the, one of the kids is named John Michael and I straight up didn't know I had a picture of John Michael. This is like the only known picture in existence of John Michael. And when I was kid, I remember John Michael being like huge. Like uh, he was my friend, but he was like way bigger than me. And in this photo, um, actually, you know what? I bet I, while I talk, I will um, talk less good, but I bet I could find this photo. So my mom sent it to me. Anyway, uh, he's like a full head taller than me. And I'm barely bigger than my sister who, and I'm probably seven in this photo, seven or eight. Um, anyway, point being, uh, the way they, uh, to answer your question, the way that they do uh, diagnosis is, some of it is like common sense. Like they look at you and they look at your family and they, they look at your projection based on your current height. And if you start getting too far off of like really obvious, uh, you know, nobody in my family, I was projected to be like five, three and no one in my family is five, three. Um, so at some point that it's, it, it, you know, so there's just some common sense stuff there, but also there's something called a bone age that they do. Um, and a bone age is when they, uh, give, they x-ray your hand and they look at the space. I think it's this, I'm going to get this wrong, but it's like the space between the edges of your bone and the cartilage and the joints. It has something to do with the, um, the amount of growing you have left to do. Um, cause eventually all that space is filled in by bone. Um, so they can look at your hand and compare it to an equivalent seven-year-old hand or an equivalent ten-year-old hand or whatever, and say this, you know, that this person has this much more left in the tank before their body is going to stop growing. Mm-hmm. So, oh, I got you. Yeah. So they basically, so they looked at it and they said, like, you, you know, you're, um, you, it isn't like you have a bunch left in the tank. It straight up is like, a, um, you know, this is all you got, and yet you are this short. You know, that kind of thing. Um, here. Wait, so you said they were projecting 5'2", but now you're saying they also projected that you may never grow at all. No, they were projecting that I was like, I was the equivalent. I w- my bone age was like a normal projection. What they were looking for was like, oh, you are um, projected. You're actually, you got all this, like, uh, you're going to have like a huge growth spurt because you're just running behind. It's not that you're going to be short. Oh, so it was a confirmation yeah. that you would indeed be that short. Right. And like in my family, generally the, the men are very consistently five, nine to five, ten and a half. Like, so are we, we're, did, did you play God? I mean, is that okay? <laughs> I mean, like with all this talk about ge- genetically engineering kids and how unethical it is, I mean, you pretty much just like, they said, "Hey, it'd be great if you weren't, you know, five foot two. Well, we're going to use our medicine on you." It wasn't. Uh, my genetics were not engineered. 
Um, uh, it is actually a glandular, like, uh, you know, you're short on growth hormone, period. Um, and so I took growth hormone shots, which involved getting a teen, teeny tiny little needle, like the kind you use for, like, uh, insulin, um, like once a day. Yeah, I remember for, you take, yeah, I remember you have to take those. Yeah, yeah I took I mean, once a day for, like, 10 I years. I being an, yeah. also being a short person most of my life, now I'm a... Solid five eleven. Um, <laughs> I sent you the picture, by the way. You can see how small I, 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 am. I saw it. It was it was true. Um, Good. Yeah, Confirmed. like well, I was I was short my whole life, and then I did the little curvy thing um, pretty late, maybe in you know high school or whatever. Uh, yeah, it was. I remember you taking them, and I remember thinking, "Well, I'm short." I don't get any fancy medicine. <laughs> I mean, I didn't really care one way or the other. It just occurred to me. I'm like, well, I hope I, you know, I, I, I hope I'm not just not availing myself of some kind of medical need or something. Or some opportunity. That was my first question when I was a kid was like, all right, I'm short on growth hormone. So they're going to give me growth hormone and it will make me bigger. And I was like. Even as a kid, before you know HGH and sports and stuff, I was like, "What is this power? <laughs> why, why aren't why don't why don't we just kind of give it to everybody and see what happens?" Yeah, I mean, like, couldn't you? No, I mean, that's it, sort of my. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, extra growth hormone results in like bad side effects and stuff. Like, all they were doing was getting me up to like a normal level. But if you go, oh, it's not like you can keep per, ter, like. So you're saying that hormone. people will be a certain height. And there's somehow a way to measure a normal amount of growth hormone. Yeah. And no matter what, if you're in the normal range, you'll grow to a height determined by your genetics roughly, given proper nutrition and all that jazz. Right. Um, and somehow they can tell what's a normal level of growth hormone. They can tell how far along you are in growing, I think. Like, I don't know that it's a uh, – I, I don't know how exact that science is, but, like, it's more of a signal of, like – uh, you know, this, this person is, it's, this person is like, like pretty precipitously under the curve <laughs> as I was. And yet, uh, their bone age looks like they are growing, as, according to their bone age progress, they should be, you know, up here instead they're down here. So, yeah. um, but yeah, if you, you can't like, you can't just like jam a, someone full of growth hormone or like it messes with your joints. I mean, you end up with all the problems that, like, uh, like over tall people have, uh, which are numerous. Like it's not, uh, it's except you're not even over tall bone fragility and that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, you can't go over that without some bad side effects. Unfortunately, we, it's, we can't, we can't Hulk out someone. Although even the Hulk, I mean, that's a bad example. Cause that dude's not happy about it. I mean, um, isn't that when people take HGH or something? Mm-hmm. That literally and is uh, human growth hormone. Yeah. Yeah. I guess when you're an adult, you're not going to grow, like, your bones aren't going to grow I, I'm way out of my knowledge base area, but I think they actually take well, it I'm to, like... Well, I'm certain that when adults take HGH that they don't get taller. <laughs> no. Okay. You're right. We are not quite outside of our range um, yet, but no, it's... Yeah, the sports whole system. But, I mean, I'm, I maintain that yeah. with all of the hubbub about genetic engineering and the ethicalness of and it's not about the gene editing so much as it is about choosing uh personal characteristics that 
there always is a border with that piece. You know, what do we say is fixing something and why do we accept what do we accept as just a natural state? Like Oh jeez. You know what I mean? Like I know a couple guys who are like five two, five three. I mean and most of them, I mean, it's not a big deal, but I'm sure that they, ha- you know, they generally have a preference to have been taller, right? Like, but that's not cool. Like, that's unethical that you, we we're messing with how tall someone is or not. Um, well, you're talking about, like, unethical being, like, somehow looking at the and, and actual genes of an, an embryo or whatever and screwing with, like... Yeah. Yeah, I'm purely what... I don't even. I have no idea if we have the capability of doing that. I don't know enough about any of that, uh, to be honest. Uh, we would potentially have it. So it hasn't uh, been studied extensively right. in the in the practical nature because of laws against doing such things. Yeah, but particularly lately, there's some genetic uh, modification methods that are easy enough to do with readily available lab equipment. Um, so it's a bigger deal right now. Really? Okay. This is yeah. It's uh, called CRISPR. Uh, it's oh a yeah, method. I've heard of that. I yeah, it's a method, and and it's not like nobody could ever do it before. Uh-huh. But now it's a lot easier for even non-specialists to get in on the game if they wanted to try. And so now everybody's sort of scrambling and be like, you know, how are we gonna? What are we gonna do about restricting this versus not? Ooh, this is a long Wikipedia page. Um. Yeah, I mean the golly, it's the thing that that makes this this conversation is like butting up against a bunch of other things that are more serious and hard to talk about than just like should people be allowed to decide how tall they are or not because of you know all of the other factors around like uh, detection of um, serious maladies or or like a. Um, syndromes or whatnot and being able to either fix those or make other decisions you know right i personally like, there's think, a lot and, right around right the i mean we're not even talking saying. about all this yeah because i was mostly joking like yeah i th- what i guess my point was that i think sometimes we're overly worried about this kind of stuff because we should always use our technology to try to help people out yeah and there's no need to get into some kind of deep confusing conversation about should we help someone out who appears to not be making enough of a hormone right like you can get into that conversation when you get too obsessed about the ethicality of those kind of things but Mm. um yeah like i don't know well i i I mean i think (laughs) go ahead oh just like my uh, i i the weird thing about like ethicalness of of screwing with genes to me is like it feels like this is my super off the cuff take on it, I guess. But like, it feels like a, a lot of science like that is like there's a bunch of hand wringing over ethicalness. But like somebody somewhere is going to do something. Like we did this about cloning for forever until somebody in a country where it was cool did it did something. You know? Yeah, like, but people aren't cloning people all the time. No, but I'm possible. saying that there's like, well, yeah, I'm saying that it feels like we're kicking the can down the road of like someone f- doing it. Or it becoming a thing somewhere, uh, and like, so so to like genetically modify like cosmetics of a human. Like my issue with it is not personally. My issue with it is like not that it is um, ethical 
or not. It's that I don't see a path toward that kind of thing being uh, anything other than like an ac- a very access based. Like it's it's not like especially that kind of stuff. The like uh, the real uh, pick your baby out of a catalog sort of dystopian future thing. Um, that that doesn't feel useful to society at large because it doesn't feel to me like we're going to get there in a way well, that was like it, lip, yeah. the so, rising tide is not going to lift all ships in that case. It's going to be some weird luxury tacked on top of an already lopsided like healthcare system, you know, or whatever. Yeah, no, I mean yeah. the main tr- the main real ethical concern in that kind of thing, I think, is clearly that the privileged people will have access to it above people who are already sort of on the lower rungs of society and it'll only increase inequality. Now there's been tons of sci-fi stuff written about this, right? Divide into two species, even that kind of stuff. But I think in, (laughs) I think that ultimately I find it a little frustrating that, I mean, I'm not somebody who has a genetic, serious genetic abnormality, but I see a lot of um, resistance and difficulty uh, for people who are trying to remedy these genetic diseases because their remedies involve genetic modification of humans. Like, And I get why you want to slow roll this kind of thing, but like, it's just, it, it's like, it's terrible for people who could – there's so many people who could probably be cured. Right. And we're just constantly slow rolling this kind of science because we're so worried about it. I, I don't know. Uh, anyway, I think yeah. uh, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean it's – the. I think that it's the hardest type of that conversation to have. Like there's – to say like um, not only like – there's a way to use this for good, but there's a way to use this use universally for good. Uh, but like, then you have to have the super hard conversation about what constitutes a good usage or an ethical usage versus an unethical usage. And like, what's the right. difference between, uh, you know, making someone taller versus making them look more like one ethnicity or another, like, you know what I mean? Like there's, once you get into cosmetics, yeah. then you get into like really questionable decisions around like, uh, around like preferential looks and stuff, which can raise a bunch of other concerns. Well, I mean, even if, even if we, we decided that was all like a no go, the problem is that people are hesitant to even let the technology develop because once it develops for any reason, it can more easily be used for the other things. Um, But, you know, it's like putting marijuana on a schedule one drug, right? There's a lot of, um, medicinal applications that cannibal cannabinoids or whatever cannabinoids pronounce it in the in the morning um can be used for but it's a huge headache to actually do the research because of its schedule right right so that's sort of analogous um because there's a lot you could do with it but if the technology develops for any reason um it's just like you know that much more easy to misuse. Well, I mean, yeah, either like uh, fully like we've we've seen this happen in two different ways. Like on one end, you've got the you know the easiest thing to do is just to say no to all of it, 
um, which results in like side effects of like you're describing. And then we did that with weed and we're doing that with, I guess the GMO stuff or even like, uh, you see like, you know, non GMO being a big thing for foods, which I'm fairly certain is like, I don't know quite the details of GMO, but I'm pretty sure we've always been, I mean, strawberries are fake, right? Like we engineered strawberries a hundred years ago. Like there are bananas are, don't reproduce. We spliced all the bananas off of one type of banana. We've been genetically like <laughs> modifying like plants for I, forever. Right? I have, yes. GMO. You know what? I got it. I got to take five to get my kids to school. Oh, no. So if you okay. want to pause. That's a weird I mean, euphemism. like five like, to get them going. I'm going to pause my recording, and then I'll come right back. Okay. All right. This is, uh, this is Cameron and Brock are two people, the podcast in which Cameron and Brock are two people. Um, Brock and I have been friends since we were small, short children. Uh, we uh, weren't in regular contact through most of our 20s and now that we're old um we are catching back up and finding out uh where we diverged or didn't in our ways of seeing the world and dealing with things around how we were raised or how we live or the family that we're raising and all that kind of stuff if you good listener are curious have any questions for us or comments you can email us at cameronandbrock at gmail.com. You can call us and leave us a voicemail at 2525-HEY-CAM, which is our voicemail address. Um, I actually have a voicemail here I'm going to read while Brock is gone, um, and you'll understand why in a second. All right, this voicemail is from uh, 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 the 252 area code. Let's look, let's look that up, 252 area code. All right, so this, this caller was in North Carolina. Looks like... Uh, uh, corner of the northern north, northeastern corner, um, including the municipalities of Kinston, Elizabeth City, Greenville, Henderson, Kitty Hawk, New Bern, Roanoke Rapids, Rocky Mountain, Moorhead City, and Wilson. So, uh, caller from Kitty Hawk, North Carolina says, um, since we've not gotten a response from you, we're giving you one final courtesy call before you close out your file. Uh, plus two to decline this offer, or plus one to speak to a warranty advisor. Once again, press one now. Um, so thanks for that uh, call. Um, that's pretty typical. Um, I feel like most phone calls in 2019 are uh, sort of in, in this uh, general mood. I didn't press one. I wasn't there. Um, so, um, but there you go. Uh, if you want to leave us a call urging us to press one about an offer, you could do that. 2525. Hey, Cam. Um, <clears throat> I don't feel like pausing the recording because then I have to go edit uh, back together, both ends of a recording. So I will keep talking to you guys. Um, let's see. Uh, season two has been really rewarding for me personally. The way I think I'm running this is that every year we'll just call it a new season because why not? Uh, I'm looking at my notebook here, which I didn't write anything last time and I haven't written anything this time, but I did write a couple episodes ago about um, the concept of a word prism, a prism word. Uh, which I think is is a cool, valuable concept that we should talk about more, Brock and I. But a prism word being a word that really needs to be split into like nine words, a la a prism, so that you can use a word similar to a un, a loaded word in order to have a have a fun joke, a jape, a jest. But then you also have another option at the sort of other end of the spectrum to make to use that word to make 
it clear that you're using it in a non non joking, serious, considerate way. Um, in the meantime, since we don't have that, and our our examples here were the words uh, toxic uh, and the word triggered. The word triggered being one where it is, uh, you know, you can make a sort of limp joke about something triggering you, or uh, you could, you know, in certain contexts, be considerate to the fact that there are people who use that word for real. Uh, and, and as such, really those could be two different words in a perfect world, but they're not going to be. So we have prism word. This is a prism word, but as a sort of couch, a sort of intro that says to your, uh, say your podcast co-host hypothetically, that you are aware that the word you're about to drop is potentially its own conversation. Uh, but you don't have time for that because you want to stay on topic. Uh, it is a, a, a sort of friendly recognition that words can mean things uh, without what I think can be a, you know, a negative uh, habit, which is un, sort of an unspoken smirk between two people where they misuse a word or they use a word that is very obviously one that could be construed completely differently by the two people or by people who are not there. Um, and it's not a good look. It's not, a, I think for two people to use a word sarcastically or, um, or as in, in jest when they both know that there's a, you know, a large percentage of people use that word for real. It, uh, it's, it's, uh, it is, it limits, it limits empathy, I guess, or it, it, it uh it creates a subtext between two people that I don't think is particularly healthy, especially when you're recording what you're saying and putting it on the internet, and also, um, pretty, pretty uh, actively trying to use recording as a way to uh, measure your words and um, learn and discuss in a in a way that's sort of responsible and healthy. So there you go. Um, prism words. That's my thoughts on prism words. Uh, well, my coffee's empty. A problem with this podcast is that, unlike Brock, who feels, you know, uh, the freedom to just leave for eons at a time to take care of his children, um, I don't, I have a hard time telling him to give me 15 seconds to go refill my coffee mug. So maybe you and I, listener can um, recognize that in me together. And uh, when Brock gets back, we will, we will take that small social anxiety step and get that time for ourselves so that we can go get some more coffee because this, cu- this cup is empty. That would be good progress for you and me, listener. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're having a good week. Uh, here in Chicago, it's uh, 50 degrees and raining. It is almost spring. I used to live in Florida where um, we would yearn for that precious one or two weeks in spring and the one or two weeks in fall where you can open all your windows. Um, it was a very, very limited time, and I'm not exaggerating at all. Uh, it was special, and um, and I remember really liking that feel of like all the windows being open and stuff, but you can only do it for a second before it, you know, everything turns into a blast furnace and, um, moving to Chicago, 
I have realized that I was what I what I pictured as a um, this like flash, this like momentary uh, time that you get a you know for four total weeks a year is in actuality a uh, an entire season, actually two seasons. People who live in not Florida uh, have access to a literal half a year that is either spring or fall, uh, which is you know you would, one would think would be obvious, but really wasn't to me. Um, we would joke about how we had two seasons, uh, summer and not summer, um, in which the temperature does actually aggressively dip and in, into uh, too cold to open the windows uh, temperatures. But here we are, in, here I am in Chicago, and the, the springtime um, and fall time exists for a luxurious amount of time, and really even bleed into summer, depending on how the weather is feeling that day. And even summer is not is nowhere near what I was used to calling summer in Florida. So I'm very excited. I think we're uh, probably a couple of weeks out from the windows open full time, and uh it's going to be wonderful. Beautiful, beautiful city in the spring and the fall. I feel like I committed to not stopping the recording and I'm, I'm struggling here right at the end, but, uh, I'm I'm going to do it. (sighs) What are we in April? You got Easter around the corner. Hope you have good Easter plans. I hope your Easter plans are compelling. I hope you have a, maybe a day off of work or some children that you can go hide eggs for. Um, maybe uh, if you are uh, listening and uh, compelled to write in, I'd be curious as to um, a percentage, just give me a percentage of Easter eggs in your childhood, um, hidden or none, just your interaction with Easter eggs. And an Easter egg being, well, for the purposes of this, any sort of plastic egg, with something in it, or a colored rego egg, a sort of a traditional, quote, bird, unquote, egg. Um, what's the percentage of your interaction with plastic eggs versus real eggs at Easter? For example, in my household, we really never did the uh, egg coloring. I remember doing it when I was very little. Get a little set, you color the egg, you put the little plastic you know, band, uh, the clear plastic band with some sort of decoration around the egg. Um, but mostly didn't do that. However, there would always be like one dozen hard boiled eggs hidden in the yard along with all of the plastic eggs. And I really don't have a good sense of whether that's normal or not, or if, um, or if normal people don't put real eggs in the bushes, um, and it, and expected their kids will somehow be excited to find a hard boiled egg up under a cinder block in the back. Um, so yeah, tell us if you, uh, if you feel so inclined, that's a low bar. That's a low, low ask, simple ask. Um, I definitely remember, uh, not finding eggs, you know, every year your parents count how many eggs in our family, we're talking like 120 eggs, maybe something like that. Cause I was the oldest of seven and my mom would, tally everyone's eggs and then inevitably we would have to be sent back out into the yard to find the last you know six eggs or whatever and and uh there were definitely times uh where an egg was found somewhere in the middle of summer uh, because we eventually would give up or there would be a miscount or something and one stray egg would never make it out of the yard 
I definitely remember that being a hard-boiled egg on more than one occasion. Um, so curious, curious as to your Easter egg um, proclivities as as children. So so send it in, Cameron and Brock at gmail.com or the phone number 2525-HEY-CAM. And uh, I could read you what that number is, actually. I'm not going to do that. It's 2525-HEY-CAM. Look it up yourself. Nowadays, what with living in the city, I don't have a yard. Uh, so our, in more, more, for more than one Easter, we have uh, glommed onto a neighborhood Easter egg hunt, which is a very different sort of activity than letting a couple of kids loose in a yard to go prance, prance around and find eggs in clever places. Uh, instead, what happens at one of these uh, city park hunts is that a instead of their... The scale that you're operating at doesn't really uh, allow for clever hiding places. Instead, the eggs are just sort of strewn uh, one every foot, say, all over a uh, a park. Uh, there's not really hiding. Hiding is not part of it. It's more just a race to pick up. It's an Easter egg race. There's a you know they they cut the ribbon. And all the children have plastic bags or whatever, or a basket if they're fancy. And they they stampede into the area and just start picking up eggs as fast as they can. It's not a hunt. The eggs are not hidden. It's a it's a um, accumulation race. Um, but the you know if your kids are small enough, they're still they're still fun to it. It's certainly a different mood, sort of a different vibe than your traditional hunt. But uh. But you know you got to scale things uh, to world to areas to to children's worlds that aren't uh, yard based. Uh, we've also done an inside Easter egg hunt. That's you know you can you can do that. Uh, that's also a different vibe. Um, I think that like for children, uh, children small enough, especially. The whole, you know, the execution is what matters, not necessarily the context. Your children don't necessarily know the difference or have a or have, have a developed opinion. And the, you know, the the excitement of the Easter egg hunt is and is as excited as you are. You know, so you sell it, you care, you uh, either take them and like are have a good time in the sunshine in the park during an Easter egg uh, accumulation race. Uh, and they get candy or you, uh, run a Easter egg hunt in the living room. Both I think are acceptable. Um, if they're, you know, if you believe in them and you believe in, uh, showing your children a good time, which we do. I don't know what we'll do this year. We haven't actually talked about it. The other third option that I haven't really pursued is, um, go appropriate some land, uh, in a park or in like a, the woods. You can have, you can maybe set aside a, segment of a path in one of um, Chicago's many forest preserves uh, and designate that your uh, Easter egg hunting grounds sort of have like a wilderness hunt. Um, man, I should do that. I've, I've considered it in past years, but um, never really pulled the trigger, but this might be the year that we, uh, that we get out of the city and go stake a claim to some Easter egg land Um what out in the woods and uh and let the kids go wild there maybe get some stakes literal stakes or some sort of markers so they know you know don't go past this marker there are no eggs out there no easter eggs anyway 
And, uh, but that might, I mean, this is a very weather dependent plan. It would take some commitment, but like, man, I, I think that would be really fun. Uh, Easter, Easter is too far out for me to look at the calendar. We're floating around 48, 39 here for about the next week and a half here in Chicago, but maybe just maybe going a week out, we could two weeks out the, the, um, spring will ease its way into that delicious mid sixties, mid fifties, sort of crisp springtime. That would be wonderful. I'm glad we had this talk listener. Yeah. I feel like I've made progress. Um, I hadn't, I had literally, literally not thought about what I was going to do for Easter at all. I'm going to write it down. Um, wilderness egg hunt. Now I realized that wilderness egg hunt is something that you could do, um, probably to less success with, uh, there's nothing Eastery about that phrase. I'm going to remember that I'm talking about Easter and not just like, you know, there are eggs in the wilderness. We could hunt for them. But this is a little bit more of a manufactured ex- experience. Um, and there won't be hard boiled eggs. I, I just, I don't, uh, the hard boiled egg thing feels like a, um, like a perfunctory sort of nod to something that you don't have to nod to like some sort of authenticity, like, Oh, these used to all be, you know, hard boiled, but now, you know, we've copped to them being here in the modern times. We've copped to them being plastic and full of candy, but we're just going to throw some hard boiled in there in there. So we don't feel totally, what's that? Like we totally abandoned the roots of the egg hunt. By the way, I have no idea why there is an Easter egg hunt or where that tradition even originated or anything. I've got nothing. That is, should be some interesting reading. I'm going to do that. Hey Brock. So that was like five minutes, right? Um, I don't know. I've been uh, monologuing. I've actually made some progress. Um, me and the listener about a few different topics. Oh no. Yeah. I didn't stop recording. Should I be informed or just, uh, you're good. Um, I do need to get some coffee though. All right. So give me, give me like five seconds. You say something to the listener. I'll be right back. Well, I didn't have any context as to what Cameron said, but um, I'm sure it involved ideas about something that I could quickly disprove. Tends to throw out those ideas when I'm not listening uh, in hopes that, uh, you know, she can get away with it. But in any event, uh, my children are screaming. Because they don't want to get ready for school quickly enough. I'm back. I still hear a child screaming. Oh, that's a bad one too. There's some uh, there's there's some resonance to that. Well, it sounds like uh, sounds like someone dragging a metal chair across linoleum over there. Yeah, it's very close. I don't know why. He must have just well. He may be sick. Woke up in a bad mood. Oh boy. Um, I have a question. I do that sometimes. Yeah, I, I, I started to, uh, thinking about spring. I don't know. I don't have to explain myself. You weren't here. Uh, I ended up thinking about Easter. Uh, and yeah. I have a question, which is, uh, were there, what was your interaction level with real, honest to God, chicken eggs at Easter um, as a child? Um, that we would drain them and dye them colors. Okay. What, ha- what would happen with them then? Would you, would you hunt them? No, no. The ones that we colored 
wasn't were not hunted because they were fragile. <laughs> they were displayed. These are hard boiled, right? Were they hard boiled? Well, you could do it two different ways. You hard boil them, obviously, is the normal way. But sometimes we did the thing where you actually put a hole in them. Oh, like you like get the 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 insides out or something. I can't remember why. That was the exception, though. Hmm. So it was a purely decorative egg at that point. Um, interesting. Yeah, I I, I pulled the listener. I don't know if we'll get any anybody biting, but like I'm curious as to what uh what the egg. Uh, what the real egg uh, sort of quotient is for people. Because we uh, very rarely dyed eggs as a family. Like there are certain activities that I think my mom tried when they were, when we were, you know, a non, non small and in non army of children. And then later mm-hmm. on it sort of bailed on, on for issues of scale. Cause I vaguely remember doing dying and then doing the little band, you know, like the little plastic band you wrap around the egg or whatever. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Or the 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 shrink wrap thing. Or yeah, that, that, that kind oh, of so thing. you didn't do this all the time. Yeah, I mean, this Ooh. was like every every Easter was decorate eggs. No, I I all the time. rarely decorated, and there were years where the egg, eggs were dyed by my mom, but not us. But the uh, the thing I'm curious about from the listeners because is uh, like whether well, I just want to know. You know, or did you deal with eggs a lot and how? But like, because uh, we hid those; those were part of what was hidden almost every year, like in the yard and stuff. Um, like the the decorated eggs. Uh huh. Yeah, there'd be oh, re- there'd be real so there eggs was, and candy eggs all all through. Oh yeah, the plastic ones with candy in them or whatever in them were hidden around the yard. Yeah, no, no we really. we also hid the we also hid the real ones at least for a while. Um, <laughs> Which, which is weird. Not even hard boiled, not drained. They just, no, they were, <laughs> they were hard boiled, but still. <laughs> yeah. Uh, honestly, even as a kid, uh, dying uh, eggs. I mean, I can remember really early on, it was a novel idea, but I don't know. There's a, wasn't, I wasn't super into it. And it's funny. I look back and there's a lot of things. I think maybe I'm just generally cynical and curmudgeonly, but there's a lot of things as a kid where I sort of assumed it was the thing one did, but I didn't quite feel it. You know, like I'm like, yeah. Dying eggs, yeah. I don't know. Like looking back on it, I'm like, I feel like there was, it wasn't what I actually wanted to be doing. Right. I liked it up to the, the point where it seemed like I was doing some kind of science, but that quickly went away. Uh, sorry. I'm I'm also, I wanted to give some, I wanted to answer a question rather than us just feeling like, what's up with that about my next question, which is why the hell we do an Easter egg hunt. (laughs) So I've never, ever thought Uh, about it. uh, You know, it's, it's, um, about finding new life hidden mm -hmm, in the, no, mm -hmm. I don't know. It's probably a pagan ritual. (laughs) Well, um, first of all, I, to answer your, or, or to give my angle on your, yeah, why are we doing this question? It, yes, as a kid, you just sort of like take it in stride. You're like, okay, and this is the holiday where we turn this food colors. Cool. Um, and it's in retrospect, a very, biz- like super, like it's one thing to like, you know, tie a drink, a color or do the thing that I did one time for school, I think, cause I was homeschooled. So who knows? Uh, everything was kind of for school. Um, which is uh, dye oatmeal blue, eat it, and then find out how your digestion works later. 
um, to that one. I did not. I didn't do that. I don't think yeah. anyone ever did that, but you. <laughs> probably not. My parents. My parents were <laughs> okay. doctors. I don't know. Well, that's we, probably not true. Yeah. It actually sounds interesting, but yeah, yeah, you can find out exactly how long it takes for your poop to be blue. Um, to make it clear mm-hmm. what I'm talking about, because that no, was necessary. Lot, yeah, there's a lot of uh, control experience we could do with that. So, all right. All right, so Easter egg hunts. Um, so e- eggs were early Christian symbol for the resurrection of Jesus. Egg symbol is licensed, likened to the tomb, blah, blah, blah. Martin Luther had Easter egg hunts, according to this random person. The Easter egg hunt Wikipedia article is strangely thin. The Easter bunny, however, that's where, um, that's where you get the good stuff, which is, uh, let's see, the Easter rabbit or Easter hare is a folkloric figure and symbol of Easter depicted as a rabbit bringing Easter eggs. Originating among German Lutherans, the Easter hare originally played the role of a judge evaluating whether children were good or bad in behavior at the start of the season of Easter Tide. <laughs> so there you go. Okay, that can't be it. Like, the German Lutherans had to do it because, like, their great-grandfathers used to, like, sacrifice a rabbit for Easter. Or well, I'm going to give you a little bit more. And w- I realized that you had said, you know, um, that there's a pagan background to this. But there's also, you know... At some level, a lot of different non-scientific backgrounds start to feel pagan, whether or not they end up like a part of you know a Christian thing or even started as a Christian thing. Um, I mean, well, when I say pagan, I think I'm just non, um, non uh, or folk religion, mm-hmm. like folk. I'm just yeah, folk I, religion and folk practices all wrapped into one. Right. I, I'm just saying that, like, at a, if you go far enough back to people who know little enough about how things actually work, um, sometimes the line is very blurred. Uh, the hair was a popular motif in medieval church art. In ancient times, it was widely believed, as by Pliny, Plutarch, and some other guys who I don't know, that the hair was a hermaphrodite. The idea that a hair could reproduce without loss of virginity led to an association with the Virgin Mary. Um, with hairs sometimes occurring in illuminated manuscripts in Northern European paintings of the Virgin and Christ Child. Um, People are weird. <laughs> eggs are, are like rabbits and hares are fertility symbols because, you know, eggs and also rabbits, you know, are make a lot of rabbits. So um, there you go. Uh, they So there is a pagan background in the sense that like they were fertility symbol and, uh, kind of work the way up from there. Um, that's a fascinating. I don't, I mean, can <laughs> we evolve culture more quickly to, I mean, I don't know. Wrong. We there's have though. Wrong we don't Easter think that anymore. Rabbits. I just yeah. feel like it's so random that that's how it happened, that it only has meaning in the sense that it's historically had meaning, which is so many things, which is fine. Yeah. I think it's totally but fine. Like, I don't know. I can't get rid of the feeling that when I'm going to the effort of having a holiday and making my kids do activities and stuff, I feel like I'm already going to that effort, which I don't normally make. But I'm also not really doing anything constructive for them. Like the original mm. people who came up with this stuff, this was the best they could come up with in this in the, in that sense. Like they're like, hey, we're going to do something that's meaningful and we're going to make this for them and we're going to do this and that. Right. The symbology so, was more directly related to something they thought was actually happening. 
Yeah. Right. And so we can always go back to that by being like, hey, here's where it came from. But the point was that when they did it, it was like current, right? Yeah. And we're just referencing something. So they've got to learn two degrees, and that's that's not great. Mm. Especially kids aren't good at that. Kids are good at learning things by something they directly already understand. Yeah, or I mean, we're taught or whatever. So I, yeah, I, I guess like the the uh, there, it's not the only holiday like this, but there's certainly like a non sequitur, just sort of we do this at this holiday sort of vibe to much of the Easter details. Like even in my family, where we um, were very explicit about like the connections that various holidays have to, you know, especially Easter being a primarily right. religious and, holiday and for me as well. Yeah. But like the Easter bunny or like hiding Easter eggs was never. They didn't ever do that extra work. I think there may have been some effort at some year to do like a little monologue yeah. around the egg or like maybe some of the eggs had Bible verses in them or something. That may have happened. But like, Yeah, I, I think it's nominal, but I, it, it was never a real useful uh, piece. It was almost like an obstacle to... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, any in. egg that didn't have money or candy in it was a problem. If it's got actual yolk <laughs> in there, not into it. If it's got... You know, some sort of an inspirational. Which leads to a real interesting thought is that if we wanted to modify uh, holidays per what they're about every year, every few years to be current in a child's mind, Mm. I have no idea. It would be wild. No, that's I I think where we. That's the two sort of options here. Um, Is one we well, there's three options. One we uh, we are more thorough with our education of children when it comes to holidays like Easter or, or even Christmas or um, Halloween. Where uh, we we sit- already try. I don't think that's a word. Go next idea. Well, I want to, uh, I didn't, what, what if, what if we, uh, well, hear me out here. There's a, there's right. a, you can, you can, we can continue what we're doing as a society, which is sort of like punt our way through this and just be like, well, this is what we do kids without any sort of like context, which has gotten us this far. I'll grant you that. But what if we go, we could go full education and be like, I realize that this is not how we do it anymore, but sit down and hear the story of Easter or the story of the Easter bunny. In ancient times, Pliny thought a rabbit was a hermaphrodite. Like <laughs> you go straight full, full context. Let's, let's right. sit down. Let's sit That's down and talk about the, the Christmas tree. Hermaphrodites. Okay. And it's intri- the Christmas tree and it's in its pagan origins. And not treat that as like a, um, a like a, a knock against a holiday, but just like now, a okay, full, that's the, the full first story. Thing that this you is said you can Tom that Harvey. I, I definitely agree with that. Already not done because explaining what holidays mean as far as what we're actually trying to celebrate when we celebrate them is one thing, but it's always been a dichotomy where like, hey, there's just some stuff we do, but the whole reason we're celebrating is this. Right? right, but you're saying don't try to like explain it like it's 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 all neutral. Well, it, neutrally, I, uh, you know, educational in some way. Sure, and I'm I'm j- j- joking. You probably shouldn't tell your kids that people used to think that rabbits could self uh, fertilize. But like the um, the three avenues of the joke are either or whatever are um, like full. Thorough education where you, you know, you go back and you give them the, all of the reasons for the season, right? Like, don't try to, like, crowbar everything into one. 
um, and like and <laughs> tell them all of the different weird paths that humans took to the point where we carve out a gourd and put a face on it, um, you know. And uh, or uh, the second option is um, full on and double down. Well, actually, it's what I grew up with to a certain degree, and you probably too, which is that you decide on one reason for the season and then start kind of like slamming everything in there with like like inconsistent results like when uh right like I, you, what you're saying right with the <clears throat> like coming up with a story about how the christmas tree exemplifies christ's birth right which exactly it doesn't but you could come up with a story i mean it, it wasn't intended to but you could come up with a story that somehow fits that narrative yeah, or the um, all of the like different details of a candy cane being different a- like aspects of the Trinity or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, however, no. I am looking here, and it does say on Wikipedia that the candy cane was supposed to be a shepherd's crook. So there is some aspect of that that is true, according to again folklore in Wikipedia. Um, but yeah, the the like let's take every symbol of this holiday and then like come up with it's like uh you ever go to into like a christian bookstore and they have like the meaning of your name on a bookmark and like my name yes. has a real meaning you know like cameron was like it's like scottish nose, or something right? yeah i mean he's crooked nose because some dude had one and that's as far back as anyone knows yeah but my name in, means badger nice nice uh but if you go into a you know a christian bookstore you're gonna get some like com- oh man you know completely have fabricated we not talked name about history <laughs> because i always it's always on my mind. Yeah. Never mind. I'm not going to get too far into it. But yes, mm. it's a whole backstory. It's like my name literally means badger in not too long ago language. And if I went to a, you know, it doesn't even have to be Christian bookstore, but that's definitely where you'll find it. You know, it'll be like one who sees redemption or something. Like, <laughs> yeah. hey, I don't know that that's what it means. No, this is a, a medium wage employee at Lifeway Books in Nashville decided my name meant this or whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's not all made up, but the point is it's being pushed into a framework that it might not necessarily have meant. For sure. Um, it's a nickname for a person supposedly resembling a badger. <laughs> you, did you know that? There you go. I'm the original Wolverine, dude. It's a little, I mean, a little a uh, it seems in the Middle Ages, badgers were regarded as unpleasant creatures. It sounds like your name is a, um, a pejorative. <laughs> Okay, in the Middle Ages, people were total jerks. Like, <laughs> hey, what's that guy's name? I don't know. Call him Crooked Nose. Look at his face. And then, oh, well, what about that guy? Looks like a stupid badger. And then <laughs> that's just what they went with. Nobody even got to name themselves. I'm going to give you, uh, um, apropos of nothing, although I do want to come back to my third fork in the road, um, the uh, my third tine, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do want to say I did read yesterday that the word bear um, – is off the word it's developed from the word bruin which was the word brown um or brown uh thing or whatever and it's actually according to this excerpt from like a book that i saw that seemed uh real uh not the word for bear and the actual word for bear has been lost to time because in the you know 1400s or whatever early early english the bear you didn't speak the name the real name of bear for fear of of it summoning a bear upon you and yours so people just said the brown one and then that's the name that we have now well okay <laughs> so i'm i'm assuming it's like 
in the history of English because the right. history of English is a little fuzzy enough that I could believe yeah. there was a loss of the word that had been developing for bear at, at some point because it's very convoluted. Right. Um, I, I feel okay with that because the name they ended up with feels right. Yeah, I think, you know, it's a, it's a bar. But uh, anyway, it's, should we do that about any current words? Because there's a lot of things I don't want to show up. <laughs> I I mean, I think the ship sailed um, on a good number of words, like maybe close to all of them. <clears throat> also, I don't feel imminent threat from anything. I mean, there are things I don't want to show up to, but I don't feel uh, imminent threat from them. Um, I need to I'm about to run out of batteries. I have to go find my char- charger. Batteries. batteries. I'm on a laptop. Just just. Settle down. I'll be right back. (laughs) I'm not. That's not acceptable. You need to prepare better for this. I spend the whole week leading up to this podcast writing down notes, um, preparing my equipment. I plug my desktop into the wall so that I'm sure, you know, it doesn't even have batteries. So that's a situation. Um, I get dressed up. In the, for this, I know no one can see me, and Cameron doesn't even know, but I'm usually in a three-piece suit to at least some kind of button-up, uh, depending, a hat, depending or not. Um, so, yeah, the level of effort I put into taking this podcast seriously sometimes feels a little bit uh, wasted. When Cam can't even remember to keep his laptop charged, so. <laughs> I, I'm here. <clears throat> oh, hey, I, I, buddy. Uh, point taken. Though I, <laughs> I, uh, I was down to five percent. I'm glad I've noticed. Man, that would have been that a been bad. No, this was high quality stuff. I don't have to do this again. Um, my third, my third point. So, like, uh, we've we've established that um, I we bears one option no is to just double down. Yeah, bears have, don't have a name. Um, uh, one option is to just double down and give give your children the full messy history of any particular holiday and get that off your conscience. Get your conscience clean. You've done it. You've all right. Um, I'm on one so far, but I right. want to hear out the rest. Of these. Number two is we crowbar everything into one uh, thing and sort of fabricate whatever we Doable. need to. Right, and the, you know the more the common one. Right. Yeah. Just get that narrative nailed down. Um, <clears throat> number three is. We uh, we we go with your idea that you you brought up for a second there, which is this is a moving target. We need to update mm-hmm. this stuff. We need to keep yep. it current. Like let the um, now the, there's a couple different ways to do that. One is we we need to establish uh, like with a an Easter bunny or a Christmas tree. Um, we either move the reason into some current some current reason. You know, like we abandon the old reason and we decide as a society there is a new reason um, that and so we're just going to have to like work our way around, you know, actual things that we know now. Like we can't get quite as fantastical as a as a self-sustaining rabbit. Um, but, that you know, so we, we or we move the entire thing and we don't do an Easter egg hunt. We replace it with something more apropos. Like a, I don't know, hashtag hunt or something. I feel well, like that's the darkest option and probably I mean, the highest I think effort that one. Though I, I like the idea. Mm. It's it's so clear. It's crystal clear to me what would happen, which would be that 
it would be a corporate marketing takeover and there would be a sort of this scramble behind the scenes to decide what the next Christmas is going to be. You let the market decide. And then they'd start marketing that in the fall uh-huh. and it will be like a theme every, you know, there'll be sort of this organic and by organic, I mean all the corporations wanting to make money off it will right. sort of slide together and, and sort of agree on what's going to be pushed this year. And this happens in a lot of different fashion and in entertainment ways. Sure. But when it's, it would be focused in this case, Christmas, right? And this year, Christmas, uh, the, the narrative is, uh, I don't know, space Christmas. I, I have no idea, but I'm, they would come up tell with me something. More. <laughs> I mean, I like the idea of Space Christmas. Yeah, uh, yeah so they're going to push Space Christmas this year. And it's and it's not just a tree, um, although depends on what they did last year. They'll probably tie a little bit of last year, so you don't have to redo everything. Some continuity. I mean, there's supply yeah. chains to consider. Right. And then there's the uh, rocket festivals and mm-hmm. the, um, you know, Stargazing things in the Christmas themed telescopes. Right. Disney's going to love this one. They already have songs about stars. Um, right. I mean, and they, yeah, and it's sort of a, it's sort of a war to like, you want to get what you're good at mm-hmm. to manufacture, but you also want to have stuff that you've already licensed and, and, and tr- copyrighted that fit it so that you have that l- leg up. Mm. And so there'll be a winner and a loser every Christmas season. Um, Just like real Christmas. Corporate, corporately, certainly. Okay. But, I mean, we're all winners as long as we have enough money to buy everything every year. I've got um, – I think that I'm seeing an opportunity here, um, here at the tail end of – actually, we should stop soon. But, like, I really want to get this point in because I feel like there's uh opportunity here for – um, you know, a, a Christmas, you've, you've got to move a monolith. Like there's a lot of Christmas oriented sort of like that. There's a shop at Disney that is a 365 day Christmas shop. I don't know why it's there, but there is one, uh, the magic kingdom. It just sells Christmas all year long. You've got a lot of entrenched sort of like Christmas, uh, you know, uh, Christmas industry you're seeking to disrupt. I say, what if we bypass that? I love this idea of sort of a, um, a hunger games, corporate scramble, every year to hit some new moving target that some say board or, you know, two person authoritarian panel, uh, have decided upon. Um, and then every year that there, we have a holiday, but the holiday is different every year. And every year we sort of like let the, let the brands fight it out. As to okay, what the so you're is. saying that somehow we can enforce this at a higher level, and then we watch them dance for us, right? Exactly. This is, I mean, I you know, this that, is but. whatever day or not, not non day or something. You know, you, you give it a, t- a word. Maybe you rename it every year. You probably need at least consistency in the name so people know what's up. And then maybe you you just uh, every year there's sort of a ceremony and like a, like an envelope opening, uh, yeah, and then you unseal. The, the, like your very minimum, like there's the, the nice thing about this too is the effort on our part is almost non existent. Um, I'm imagining, I'm imagining one of those that shows like where the competitive baking shows and stuff. Yeah. Where the, it's opened up and then there's all these CEOs lined up. And on the other side of the room, there's all these, um, copyrighted, 
objects and rights to different kinds of movies in a big pile that have to do with the new theme. And they unveil all the copyrighted material and the CEOs just tear for it and then pull it all apart and see what they can do with it. It's almost like an iron chef where they pull exactly the, they pull the blanket back chef, and it's yes. a table full of lobsters or whatever. Except but it's, in this case, it's a table full of space themed IPs. <laughs> right. <laughs> or I, I mean the envelope, I'm thinking that like they can keep their IP, whatever you got to bend your IP to the will of the theme. And uh, you and I open a letter, and the letter just says, um, uh, it could, one, one particular year, it could just say slime. And that's it. That's what they have to go on. And like they are, you, you let them oh, figure, you let the market decide what that actually means. The name of the holiday stays as Unday or Nonday or, um, you know, we, we, we can workshop a name. Um, and then maybe, that na- maybe the envelope isn't even public. Right, like they don't know what we have planned, and honestly, once they all know that the theme is slime, nobody's going to blink on that. They're not going to risk missing the mark. Oh, so we have the the proletariat has to have m- momentum first, so no, that the they po- must follow us. The, yeah, the proletariat's along for the ride. They, they will. They will. Um, they, there is opportunity here. We've announced a holiday. The holiday has a theme. The theme gets mm-hmm. announced to, to everyone who creates products for that holiday. They have incentive, and and if they don't make you know stuff for Slime Day, somebody else is going to. I, I think Slime Day. I mean, are these associated with holidays anymore? No, this is we've created random. a new holiday. Forget this. Like we don't need <laughs> we don't need existing holidays. If you get enough money behind, you get enough lobbying behind this holiday. And then you leave that you just create this bucket, this empty area, and then you tell the CEOs uh, an adjective. You're like, this year it's fuzz, or this year, I mean, you can go with like an emotion. You know what? This is it doesn't matter. To, this is leading to this is leading to themed years where on mm. the January first, the president of the world, the United States, or whoever we want to use, is like. I declare the year of the slime, and then it's just happening. I think that's straight up a part of Infinite Jest. I only read about 10% of that book. <laughs> I believe it. Yeah. We, can't you just see the orange one up there? I, yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll stop.